Hello and welcome to Blacksiders, the no-holds-barred discussion about news and current affairs that we feel like talking about. I'm Gemma McKinnon. And I'm Peter McGillivray. Pete, how are you going? How has your week been? I'm good. Well, I'm yeah, I'm doing really good. And I'm living for the weekend, actually, because I've got a trip booked in for a hen's night Ow. down in the Southern Highlands. Now, it'll be in Bowral, which is... Oh, it's classy hens. Pretty fancy, classy yeah. Hens. And I always feel a bit like a fish out of water down there because... There's this aesthetic amongst Southern Highland society, which is very much like luxury farmer. Absolutely. And Maggie T collection. Yes, lots of Maggie T. But then also the women my age, they drive like shiny black Toyota Land Cruisers and it's very kind of quiet, loud luxury. They're not using the drive through car wash at the Shell. Absolutely not. And there are no hybrids or electric vehicles that I've seen on the one or two times I've been down there. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know if – is climate change believed? I don't think it's happening in the Southern Highlands. Oh, They're immune. Okay. They're immune. Just rains a lot and it's just always really nice. Are there going to be sashes and crowns? And special straws in special shapes. I don't think so. We're past that. Yeah. This is a this is a um the bride to be is in her late thirties, so it's a bit more of a um refined affair. Refined. In air quotes. <laughs> I love the air quotes. I am looking forward to the uh the download on how it went. Oh, you'll get it. Uh, you'll get it. I'll the give thing a about the Southern review. Highlands is everybody has pools, but it's never hot there. Yeah. That's my big beef. That's my beef with you, Southern Highlands. What's with all the Airbnbs with pools that I mean, I'm never going to be able to use? It's, I, it's yeah. for the photos. Well, the thing is, is that whenever I go to the Southern Highlands for an Airbnb trip, and it's not like I do it a lot. Right. It's just I've done it once or twice, but it's always during the winter when it's cheaper because the cost of the Airbnb during the peak times when it's warm and sunny and you would use the pool is so outrageously expensive that that's just never when I'm there. I'm always there when it's freezing cold and, you know, you don't Then you can put on your cream cable knit sweater and sit by the fire with a nice Merlot. Merlot. I don't drink Merlot. No, nah, nobody drinks Merlot. <laughs> well, I'm excited because this weekend is the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council elections. 27 candidates have nominated to contest the Newswalk elections on Saturday, with 136 polling booths set up across eight of the nine land council regions to elect the new council to represent Newswalk memberships for the next four years. Big Big weekend. Anthony Green, get ready. <laughs> the Land Council sister, so I should say Newswalk is the acronym. It is, yeah. You need to tell our listeners Sorry. what that is. Uh, for New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council. So that's what I'm saying when I say Newswalk, LALC, Local Aboriginal Land Council. The Land Council system is a fascinating beast and something that something that I don't think a lot of people know much about um something that probably a lot of black fellas don't know much about to be honest um but the two things that i think are the most important for people to know and consider are these 
One, I think it's fair to say, I'm scared, <laughs> that Newswalk wields a lot of power. Um, politically, it has a lot of power in communities. Um, and in terms of making decisions for our future, for the f- future of First Nations people in New South Wales in particular. Yet it's only a small percentage of mob in New South Wales that are members of land councils and therefore most um, most mob, the majority of mob, are not eligible to vote in the forthcoming elections. It's tricky to find the numbers and I did do a quick uh, Google to see if I could find the number of land council members in New South Wales. I couldn't find it. So if you do know where to find it, please send us a message on socials. But in my head from a presentation I might have seen a few years ago, I feel like it is around 10% of the New South Wales Indigenous population that are members of a land council. This is a problem. This is a problem because we're not being adequately represented and you know, I guess the question is, do we really have a seat at the table if the agency that has a representative of the table purporting to represent mob is elected by only a small percentage of the population? Which is how the Liberal Party works. <laughs> I've been told. We need to fact check that. Yeah, let's, um, let's check it. Yeah, okay, we'll fact check that. What do you, do you, I guess, first of all, in terms of representation, and let's put it out there, you, you're, you're not from these parts. I'm not. But how do you feel um, in terms of, especially as somebody who works in an area where we're advocating around public policy change, around law reform, how do you feel about the role of Newswalk and land councils in New South Wales? I think it's a really interesting model for representation as a creature of legislation. So land councils have been created from the Land Rights Act. They are a creature of legislation and therefore it's been parliamentarians that have been involved in the lawmaking of creating these organisations. Not many black people there. Not many black people there. And so like every other bit of law that affects us and controls our lives. You know, blackfellas have only been able to be involved to the extent that they have been allowed to through the legislating process. And I think that the limits of that can really be seen in how the land council system doesn't achieve its aspirations, or at least blackfellas' aspirations for land councils in New South Wales. So the Land Rights Act has always been there and has gone through different iterations and changes to try and overcome some of those issues. But as a model for representation, I think it is right that there be some scrutiny and, as always, research to demonstrate where the changes need to happen and how they could better benefit communities. But I think as a, as a way to bring... Uh, representation to back to a place, being a land council attached to a community and a history. I think that's important. But as we know, right across the state, there's real diversity of resources, of uh, communities that are supportive of blackfellas, and not all land councils are made equal because of the history. Mm. So there, there are land councils on the east coast of New South Wales, close to the beach, close to big cities. Bridge. that. 
are rich. They've got they've got money. And then you have these other little land councils in the western part of the state that have nothing and they've got no money. Mm. They've got hostile local government councils who, you know, don't support them that they're trying to take on all the time and a real the real brain drain that the cities can be from these little land councils that can't quite attract the workforce they need to make them work really strongly. You're right. It's a perfect example, actually, of legislated created for us, not by us. You know, in theory, on paper, yeah, it looks pretty good. But we all know that in practice, you know, clearly there hasn't been anybody who's actually been a part of these land councils that's had a lot of a role to play in developing it. The other important thing that I think people should know about land councils comes to the question of cultural authority. So, and I, being a New South Wales person growing up in New South Wales, I didn't realise that this is unique to New South Wales until I met lots of, I made lots of Murray friends in university and then found out that it's a bit weird. So in New South Wales, land councils bestow the ability to deliver a welcome to country on their elder members. So most, in most businesses or organisations, you know, who have, will usually have some sort of a uh, little piece of paper somewhere that explains to you what a welcome to country is, what an acknowledgement of country is, and where you can procure yourself a welcome to country. And in most of these organisations, the accepted process to arrange a welcome is through a local, local Aboriginal land council. And often this means that we have people delivering welcomes that are not traditional owners. And traditionally, the welcome is, it, it's supposed to be performed by a traditional owner because they're the ones who are allowed to welcome you to their land. Most mob, I think it's fair to say, outside New South Wales think this is loco. Um, Pete, as our resident Murray from Cloncurry, any Queensland-based observations on this particular aspect of, uh, New, of New South Wales uh, uniqueness? I think it's – I mean, my perspective is that – I mean, what is my perspective? It is very unusual. And I think because, like, from a Murray perspective – I'm just so used to traditional owners doing the welcome. So in Queensland, whether it is the native title holder group or, you know, somebody who is like a known traditional owner because the families are known and, and the people have been there forever and it's just a kind of a no-brainer. But I think in in the city, I think it's a it's a population it's a population issue. There are just so many people. It's, I mean, I do, it's, I'm gooped off, often. And actually, this is the thing we should clarify. To become a member of a local Aboriginal land council, you don't have to be a traditional owner. You don't have to be from that land. You can be a resident of that land and essentially accepted by the community that you that you live in. And for many of us, particularly those of us living in capital cities, we're not from here, but a lot of us live here for obvious reasons, um, you know, access to everything. So you can be, um, we could, Pete and I could be members of Metro Land Council, even though we are not uh, Gadigal people. And so that that's why it is that 
people are able to perform welcomes even though they're not traditional owners of that land. So I guess what the... Even when I was having this conversation with myself, thinking about it, I thought, obviously, what people are going to ask is, well, if there's all these problems, why don't you just join the land council and be, you know, be a part of the process? And I think in theory, that makes sense, right? In theory, if everybody was a member of the land council, then we would have this nice sort of representative, you know, organisation and we would have an active sort of role to play in policy and legislative reform in New South Wales. But why is it that people aren't members of land councils? Well, I can, obviously everybody is unique and has their own perspective to bring to this, but I'll explain why I'm not a part of a land council. And that is because of what I've just uh, talked about, which is that I am a Barkindji woman from Wilcannia in far western New South Wales. If I lived in Wilcannia... I would very happily be a member of the land council. But I don't feel comfortable being a part of a land council and having conversations about land dealings on country that is not mine. And that, in a nutshell, is why I'm not a member of the land council. I'm also not a member of Volcania Land Council because I live too far away and I feel like I would also there be a little bit of a fraud on most of the discussions that they're having because I don't live there and I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, subject then to the decisions that are made at that land council. Peter, are you a member of a land council? No, I'm not a member of a land council because I believe that land councils should be there to have a membership of people from that country. And so while I, I'm i really strong in my sense of where I come from and my connections in my community, and I that is, you know, very sadly a privilege that I have – but it's, it's mine nonetheless, and I am able to feel very secure in that. At the same time, you know, I am part of a diaspora of a history of being removed from our country. So my grandmother was taken from her country and ended up on Palm Island in uh, northern Queensland. And so that we've gone through a process of reconnecting my nan and myself and my mum and my sister going back to country for our family and our family has been returning to country now since that time. But we, you know, I would think it to be inappropriate for me to seek um, that type of confirmation from a land council, even though I've been, you know, here in Sydney for 15 years, this isn't my country. And so I wouldn't think it appropriate to do that for myself. I've got a community of people and peers and friends and family who I am connected with and that I connect with here often and all across the state, all across the country. But that's something very different to the cultural connection that comes from walking on your country every Mm. day. It's a bit tempting, I have to say, sometimes to join the land council because I think, and I don't think I'm being sort of controversial at all in saying this, but a lot of land councils uh, have a very strong membership of particular families. This is all around all around the state. And so often, and, and you know, you find it difficult to, to complain, uh, you know, or, or speak negatively about something that you, you know, essentially have a right to join and to choose. Um, and 
and I like I'm you know a big advocate for participation um, in these democratic processes. But yes, it's that sort of um, that that country issue that really kind of creates a problem. Well, that's right. I mean, I wouldn't join a land council, but I would certainly work for one. And I think having you know Aboriginal people who are prepared to serve in the interests of land councils and their work locally is really important. So, if for example, I had a set of skills to work in operations or in executive management of a land council, which are skills which are really important to the good governance and the good running of land councils. I think that Blackfellas, that that's something that's really important. So if and and having being able to manage those conflicts by having somebody from coming outside of a land council region and having an understanding of the issues and the needs and being able to serve and be useful. I think that's also really important. And you don't have to be a member of a land council to offer something or be useful. And so that's what I would say to people as well in terms of, you know, they are important. I think the potential of land councils to be a really important, you know, agent in the work that has to go into community development, working with state governments, working with local governments, kind of advocating and pushing local issues and priorities from that cultural perspective. I think land councils have great potential to do that, but they're only as good as they function and they're chronically under-resourced. I think it would be fantastic to see more young people getting involved in the local land council. And good luck to all of the candidates this week. Good on you for giving it a go. And all of you members of land councils, please do get out and vote. Be active. We're only as good. Pete's got her hand up. Sorry, I just wanted to say one other thing. I think it's really, I mean, I reckon we should do more work with elders on their history and experience of land councils because they were really hard fought for. I think it would be really devastating to not capture that history mm. because they were so hard fought for, but also lots of people burnt out and burnt by land council mm. politics. Mm. Like there was a whole generation of old followers who really suffered in putting all of their energy into making land councils function for community the way that the aspirations uh, were set. Yeah. We need to learn from those lessons. Yeah, and but don't pull up the ladder behind you. Don't pull up the ladder behind you. Yep, correct. More young people getting involved I think would be fantastic and it's a great foray into the political space and we need more political representation everywhere. It's a good training ground, absolutely. You're listening to Blacksiders, and today we've been talking about the New South Wales Aboriginal Land Council elections, which are happening this weekend. Get out and vote if you are a member. Now, turning to social media, the Newswalk elections have got me thinking about how good election season would be if there were a whole heap of mob, especially young people, that started running in these land council elections How, because of how epic we are at oversharing on socials. How do you think elections would look like if mob were the social media advisors to politicians? Everyone would be in stitches all of the time because of the production and the jokes and the stories and I think it would be a lot of fun. What was that? It was at CJ's Vines. Remember yeah, Vines? Yeah, CJ's Vines. Yes, I remember. They that. were hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. And I think if you were bringing your political messages with some sort of Snapchat filter on you that turned your voice into the voice of a chipmunk, that everybody would vote for you, right? Well, this is that was the one thing for me that was just so 
blatantly clear from the referendum campaign was just how much our hilarious blackfellas hilarious you know humor was missing in the campaign and i just think that in any election campaign would be chef's kiss. i feel like we were trying to be a bit too prof- air quotes professional yeah you know in our social media attempts during the referendum what would your election campaign look like pete if you were running for office great question oh my goodness i feel a bit put on the spot with this one but i think there would be i think i would be very good on the street i think that would be a strength of mine so there would be a lot of you know, hilarious interactions with everyday people and me just kind of in conversation and being made fun of and doing funny things. I think it would be very slapstick. I think I could do a very slapstick campaign. You just sort of approaching somebody in the line at KFC. And and them telling me to F off or, you know, what do you want? No, thanks. Like (laughs) me approaching people and them saying, no, thanks. I also love a hilarious Vox Pop. Yes. Just going around asking complete strangers what they think about things and hearing the out of the mouths of babes. Yeah, almost like I think there would be a TikTok theme. You know when people have the little mic and they go and they ask people questions and Yes. I think I would do a bit of that. Would there be a dance? I don't really I don't really know how to TikTok, but I feel like there's dances. Dances. Yeah. Like like these Oh my god, you're making me feel like an idiot. You know, the, 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 there's like dance. Is there dancing? On TikTok? Yes. Yeah, there's lots of dancing. Yeah. yeah. People doing dances. Yeah. Yeah, okay. GW campaign dance. Oh, that's – I see what you I see what you mean. Yes. Because I don't know how it works, but I felt like there was somebody that like does – chooses dance moves and then everybody else tries to do the same dance move. Am I sounding a million years old? I think that might be a couple of years ago. Damn. Of the TikTok trends. I don't really understand we've come, we've come TikTok. A, yeah, I mean, all. I don't either. It's the one that I'm not really on. Well, maybe we wouldn't do very well in a political campaign in that case. We would need advisors. I mean, we'd have to get people in to do it for us. Maybe we should do that for our Black Siders Instagram too. If anyone wants to volunteer as our social media <laughs> coordinator. Help us. Help us. Help us. Um, yeah, we need all the help we can get. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Blacksiders on 2SER, the news and current affairs show about things that we like talking about. And one of the things that we love talking about every week, I think it's everybody's favorite segment, <laughs> is thumbs up, thumbs down. Pete, I think we should start with thumbs down this week mm-hmm. and end on a high. Okay, great. Well, my thumbs down is Beyonce missing out on Album of the Year again at the Grammys. <sighs> Shock. Surprise, surprise. I mean, I just think that we need to stop talking about it because it's just not going to happen. I mean, it's just it's just not going to happen. Can I – and I, I know we, oh, we've had this convo so many times – so firstly, I'm going to out myself as a non-Beyonce fan. Yeah. Um, well, your girl won it again for the fourth time. My girl. Here's my. See, so I didn't. I don't know anything. Taylor about. Swift. Oh well, you know, um, she's very, very popular. Well, she is now. She? Remember when you went to see her at the Factory Theatre in uh, Marrickville? May I? I saw Taylor before any when it was extremely uncool to like Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have to ask about Beyonce. What was the album called? Renaissance. Oh, it's that that's the album. 
Yeah. Okay. I have heard of it. Yeah. And I, I like that song that she did with the chicks, or at least there's some version of the song that she did with the chicks. Yeah. And what kind of mu- – what kind of – what what is it about Beyonce that people just can't get enough of? Um, her swag, style. Right. Music. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you suggesting that it's not her music that is her appeal? Yeah, that's what you just right. said. Her style and her swag. So yeah, look, cell phone. I'll, I'll cop that. <laughs> I'll cop that. My, but I, I did start by saying that it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah, my thumbs down. Change of pace, and I'm look. I have, I, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about this, but I'm going to say it. Disposable vapes. Yeah, I'm thumbs thumbs downing disposable vapes because. I'm a, an ex-vapor, uh, but ex-vapor of the time when you used to have to go to a vape store to buy juice and you had a, like a machine that you ch- had to charge up, carried around batteries. There's, there's lots of smoke, vapes, vape clouds everywhere. Mm-hmm. I really have a problem with two, two aspects about disposable vapes. One is the environmental aspect of things, which I think is being ignored by everyone. But it's a massive, massive environmental issue to be chucking these. It's like cotton covered in nicotine that we're putting in the ground. It's lithium batteries. Is it lithium batteries that we're putting in the ground? I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that, guys. You can't take one on a plane. I don't know why we're allowed to throw millions of them into the landfill all the time. But also because... Will somebody think of the children? Like, the, yeah. it's just not cool that kids are walking to the corner store and getting these unregulated vapes with who knows what in it. I know I'm I, when I say with who knows what in it, I think of my mother. Yeah. Um, or thank, frankly, my grandmother. So I know that I'm showing my age here, but it's definitely my thumbs down for this week. Thumbs up, Pete. My thumbs up is the ABC series Nemesis. So if people haven't watched the three-parter on the ABC... I um, definitely have not. It's it's basically the yarn about Tony Abbott, Malcolm Turnbull and Scott Morrison's oh, prime ministerships with lots of appearances by all of the usual suspects and it is hilarious. Is it like is it a drama or is it... No, it's it's, you know... Documentary, oh, like a documentary. Oh, investigative. So usually after the prime ministerships, they've been the ABC will do a kind of series which is telling the story of that era because everyone's out of politics, especially now that Scott Morrison is resigning yeah. from Parliament, and they just let loose. Yeah, it's real good, and Barnaby Joyce let loose. Ah, oh, yeah, like just unhinged. Well, so funny. Is my weekend sorted? Yeah, great, great television. Oh. One and a half hours per episode. So there's like at least, what's that? Yeah, many hours of good time. Yeah, what a good day. Good time viewing, yeah. Day full of... And, you know, I just I just love the, the clowns. It's like, <laughs> I won't go any further. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> um, but it's really funny. But interestingly, I'll just give you a bit of a well, tiny, tiny little spoiler. Tony Abbott's prime ministership, Malcolm Turnbull's prime ministership, and what was obviously left on the cutting room floor was both of those prime ministers and their role in the uh, constitutional reform 
debate and work that went on. No mention of it by Ooh. either of them, including Malcolm's, I suppose... Snowball's chance in hell. Snowball's chance in hell, he said, and also, you know, third chamber rhetoric. Mm-hmm. So that's all. I mean, I just would love to kind of get the the rest of the story. Oh, I, I've got I've got bones to pick with Malcolm <laughs> Turnbull about the referendum, but... Yeah, so I, ne- I feel well, like that needs its own... Next week... It needs Malcolm its own special. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love an eye view special <laughs> on that one is all I'd say. But, yeah, that's the thumbs up for me. My thumbs up. And, again, coming very late to the party on this, but I have been obsessed with the album by the chicks, Gaslighter, which I think came out, I want to say, three years ago. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it when it came out, but I saw them at the end of last year where they played most of the album. And if you are going through a divorce, you have to listen to this album. Uh, Particularly if you're a woman, it is the most epic spilling of tea of a celebrity divorce that you've ever seen in album form. And... Uh, I imagine a very calming and reassuring voice. Cathartic. Via Natalie Maines. Mm. If you are going through a divorce, it is amazing. And it will send you on a lot of Google searches to find out what the hell she's talking about. Mm. And damn, it's awesome. So that's my thumbs up. Go and listen to Gaslighter. You can probably find it in a $5 bin somewhere now because I'm so... Late to the table. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Night, Jim. See ya. Bye.